In this episode, I want to equip you to glorify God through how we think about science. You're listening to Onward in the Faith with Ray Burns. Ray is dedicated to equipping Christians to understand why they believe what they believe so that they can keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And make sure you visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. Now here's Ray with today's topic. When it comes to how Christians think about science, it can be very easy to fall into one of two extremes. The first extreme is a very fearful approach to science. We'll see this by how we may immediately want to reject anything scientific, anything that has to do with scientific studies, tests, anything said by a doctor or any kind of scientist or someone who is in that field. We might feel an immediate apprehension or even disgust for what they say. We may refuse to study it or even want to understand science. And a lot of times, it seems like this kind of fear or this hatred or this disdain for science comes through some kind of a fear of what it will do to us. And I think a lot of times that fear comes from what we see science do to kids who grow up in the church and then go to college. Because there are tons and tons of stories out there of kids who have spent 18 years going to church, they were involved in all the programs, and they seemed very on track, but then they got to college, they got challenged by a professor or someone else who introduced them to another way of thinking, and then they abandoned Christianity altogether or took on very, very warped or compromised views of it. And so because of that, as Christians, it can be easy for us to want to reject it or be suspicious of it. And likewise, especially today, science is seen as kind of an anti-God area of study. So we can easily assume that if you are studying science, you are studying something anti-God. You are, you're not learning about God, you're learning about the natural world. And in our minds, perhaps that can be a disconnect, that can make us not glorify God as much if that's what we're paying attention to or studying. And so, you know, whatever reason we have to reject science or, or fear it, I think a lot of it comes down to just we have a kind of a blind fear because we don't think about it critically. Maybe we don't understand what science actually is. And so we create sort of a boogeyman for what science is and what it can accomplish. But of course, on the other extreme for how Christians can view science is that we can easily overemphasize its value. And so whenever it comes to accepting any kind of truth claims, if it comes from an official source or a scientific source, we are much more likely to trust that than to trust anything else. Because in our modern society, there's an easier emphasis or a bigger emphasis on intelligence, on reason, on things that we can prove and study. And so when we put too much emphasis on science, what we end up doing is we let it overrule our belief in anything else. And as Christians, that can be a problem because we believe in a supernatural God. We read a book filled with supernatural occurrences And so when we approach science and say, if science doesn't agree with it, it's wrong, then pretty soon we realize that science and God can become incompatible. Uh, There's a famous atheist named Christopher Hitchens, and in a debate, 
I heard him once say that he believes in science, not God. And that's a very popular belief in the scientific community and in the world at large, that I'm too intelligent, I'm too well-learned, I'm too reasonable to believe in God because I believe in science. And so it can be easy to see the two as separate or having nothing to do with each other or even enemies of one another. And so this, again, comes down to an issue of not really understanding what science is or does or can actually teach us. It comes from a, while one side may have a blind fear of science, another side can easily have a blind obedience to say, if it has the word science attached to it, it must be right because science tells us everything. And so whichever position we take, and not everyone is going to take one or the other, a lot of us are going to be somewhere in the middle, leaning a little too much towards science or a little too much towards unscience. But whichever way we approach this, I think that the best thing we can do is to start by really understanding what science is. Because when we understand it and break it down and get a good workable definition, I think that it can help either side, whichever way we lean to get a a better and more full understanding of it, and hopefully, by the end of this episode, see why science can help us glorify God. So, if we break it down plainly, science is just observing things. So, when we talk about science, it is what we can see about cause and effect. If I kick a ball, the ball moves, and science sees that happen. It looks for patterns. The sun over the course of about 24 hours, seems to always come up in about the same position on the horizon. That's a scientific observation. That's noticing a pattern of something. The same thing when we see birds flying in a certain direction the same time every year. That's a pattern that we can observe and take notice of. And so really, science comes down to simply what we can observe with our senses. So the five senses that God gave us can help us to see the world, notice patterns, notice really anything happening in it, and realize that there's something happening, something to try to understand. But that's where we need to actually pause when it comes to science. Science doesn't actually interpret or explain why things happen. What science does is science looks and observes. Science is basically a photograph of our natural world. It can look at things like what air appears to do to a balloon or how water seems to erode rock over time. It can, it can take snapshots of things that happen in the world and things that happen consistently and repeatedly and kind of catalog them and say, okay, we need to understand why this happens. But see, that's where science stops, though, because science doesn't actually interpret anything. It doesn't tell us why something is happening. And it doesn't explain to us why the world works the way it does. It just looks at things that happen. And this is where we need to understand the difference between science and a scientist. And I think when we do that, when we really cut that line between the two of them, we're going to get rid of some misconceptions about science, whether it's because we hate science and fear it and think it's evil, or because we love science and think it has the answer to everything. When we cut science and scientists apart and realize the different roles they play, it's going to help us to get a much bigger and better view of what science is actually about. So we have science, which observes things happening in the world. 
but it doesn't say anything. That's where a scientist is going to come in. And in a way, all of us are scientists in a certain way, because we all observe our world and try to make sense of what's happening. But of course, when we think of a scientist, that is someone who has been trained, who has studied, who is better able to piece things apart and give us a better explanation. But at the end of the day, what a scientist does, whether we see ourselves as scientists or we just talk about the educated position of a scientist, what a scientist does is takes data, takes that information, those observations, and says, why? Why does this happen? Why does a ball accelerate when we kick it with our foot? Why are birds able to stay aloft in the air? Why do we have a pancreas? And on and on, scientists try to explain the entire world around us, whether it's at a macro scale where we're looking at the entire universe or a very micro scale looking at strands of DNA. All a scientist is trying to do is to interpret and explain what and why something is happening. But here's where we need to be very careful, because while science, while observing things is going to be fairly objective, because we can't have an agenda behind saying the sun is rising or that the sky is blue. But a scientist is always going to interpret that information through a certain worldview. And now that's not to say that that's evil or wrong or manipulative, because we all do that all the time. Whether we are Christian, atheist, whatever we are, every piece of information that we take in and observe in our world, we explain to ourselves and to others based on what we think about the world, what we view as truth, what we view as authoritative. And so when we come to scientists, how they reason through all the information they bring in is always going to be determined by what they believe about the world. So as a hopefully non-confrontational example, let's talk about the sun moving across the sky. Now, if you are someone who believes that the world is the center of the universe, our earth, everything moves around it. You know, whether you think we're a flat earth or whether you're living several hundred years ago where people thought that this was a geocentric universe. If you believe that we are the center of everything, then when you observe that sun over the horizon going up, being directly overhead, and then setting on the opposite horizon, you're going to interpret why that happens based on what you believe about the universe. If, on the other hand, you believe in a heliocentric universe where the sun is the center of our universe and everything revolves around that, then you're going to see that sunrise you're going to interpret it and say, while it appears that the sun is rising, what's actually happening is that our Earth is rotating on its axis and the sun that we see is because it is no longer blocked by a portion of the Earth. And then when the sun is directly overhead, it's not that the sun has moved over us, but that we have turned in such a way that we are in direct line with how we can observe the sun. If you take some kind of computer program approach where you think that everything that we see with our senses is manufactured or it's all in our heads or we're part of an elaborate computer program like the movie The Matrix, then the sun that you see, you're just going to interpret it as an illusion, something conjured up by someone, that that sun isn't even real, that if we could actually get to it, it wouldn't actually be anything. Or if it was, it was because someone built it to look like a real thing. But you see, with any way that we interpret and explain the sun, 
what we believe about the universe is inherently going to affect what we say about it. But at the end of the day, that sun is still doing what it's doing. Any position can look at the same sun and see the same movement. So what they believe about the sun doesn't change the science of the sun. In other words, it doesn't change what they observe about it. But what does change is how their worldview interprets the behavior of that sun, how their worldview interprets why the sun does what it does. And there's an apologist named Frank Turek, who I don't know if this is original with him, but I often hear him say this. It's that science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. And so why does this matter? Why are we cutting such a fine line between science and scientist? Well, because whatever extreme we take with science is going to change when we understand this line. Because we're going to realize that, you know, if we distrust science, if we are naturally critical, if we naturally hold it at an arm's length or refuse to get involved in it or refuse to study it, then what we're going to start seeing is that science itself isn't wrong or corrupt or evil. It's not part of some grand scheme by some evil corporation to control the world. Instead, we just need to use discernment. We need to think through and use wisdom when we listen to anyone's interpretation of science. And even if that's from a source that we want to hear from, so even if it's a Christian source explaining why things are the way they are, as Christians, we need to use the intellect and the ability to reason that God gave us and piece through why they're saying what they're saying. How is their worldview interpreting this thing? How is their understanding of the Bible interpreting this thing? Because even Christians today disagree about scientific interpretation. There are those who would say that the earth is maybe six to 10,000 years old because the creation account in Genesis chapters one and two is a literal thing. There are those who would say that it was more of a metaphor or a story, and they would agree with the majority of the science community who says that the earth is billions of years old. They would simply attribute it to God guiding that evolution rather than it being some kind of random chance that created everything and guided us as humans and animals and things like that into a state of being ordered and organized. And so when we understand science properly, though, when we realize that science and scientists are different and start watching carefully what everyone says and even how we understand the universe, then science is going to start helping us to glorify our God. And we can see this in Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And so the universe, which we can observe through science, becomes this beautiful tapestry, this amazing unveiling of our God, because God himself is revealing himself through what he's created. Now, we can't learn everything about God, obviously, but we can see the power of God, the majesty of God, how easy it was for him to do all of this because he spoke a word and it was created. And beyond that, we can see the order in the universe and realize that God isn't a God of chaos or confusion like the Bible tells us. Instead, he loves order. He loves purpose in things. And on top of that, God loves beauty. Look at so many things in the world that don't serve a major purpose, but they are so beautiful. And our ability as human beings to take in that beauty and understand it and see that, you know, whether it's a sunset or a snowy landscape on a mountain or a painting or a flower, there's no 
scientific and logical value necessarily in saying that they're beautiful, but because we share with God his love of beauty, we can appreciate what he has done, what he's created, and we can glorify him both for the incredible complexity of our DNA, for how our bodies function, for the fact that creatures are able to grow and reproduce. We can glorify him for the majesty and glory and grandness of our universe. We can glorify him for the beauty of everything he's created. Everything that we can observe with science helps us to glorify God. And from there, whenever we dig in and try to understand the why of things and and dig into what is the purpose of this universe that we see? What is God's purpose in design? We glorify him even more because we can start to see just little snippets of how God thinks, what he values, and why he's done everything that he's done. And so more and more as we study science and start making good interpretations that glorify God, we're going to be able to personally glorify him even more because we're going to see more and more of who he is. But science doesn't just help us to understand kind of how amazing our God is, but God actually says that he's going to use science to judge the world. So in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. And if that doesn't show us just how valuable science and observation is, I don't know what's going to. Because here God is saying that you can see the universe around you. You can see everything I've created. You can use your minds that I've given you to think and to reason and to piece through things and try to understand them. Because of that, God gives us no excuse for not glorifying him. No one has an excuse for not honoring him. So the big question of, well, what about the people who've never heard? Romans 1 verses 18 through 20 tells us they even don't have an excuse because they know there is a God. They know there is a being higher than themselves. They know there is someone they should give honor and glory to. But whether you've heard the gospel or not, whether you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, time and again, people will see everything and say, that's fine, but what do I get? What can I worship? What can I get out of everything? And so we observe this incredible universe but still just look at ourselves. We build up false gods and create idols to serve ourselves. And we'll talk about that in a moment, because now we're going to talk about how understanding science helps us glorify God for those who are tempted to overemphasize science. And so with this, the big turning point in our minds should be the fact that modern science Although it seems to have all the answers, although it seems to tell us everything, it tells us our origins, it tells us why we get angry or depressed, it seems to explain everything in our universe. What we need to understand is that despite all the answers it seems to have, it is still interpreted by human beings. And if there's one thing we know about human beings, it's that we are very, very limited in our capacity to understand the entirety of the universe. Because If you get all the greatest minds together in a room, at best, they're going to understand maybe 1% of how the entire universe works because we just can't know everything. There's too much in what God has created 
for anyone who's not God to really grasp it and be able to understand and interpret it all correctly. But another thing, as we discussed, is that no matter how brilliant the mind, that mind is still interpreting science through a particular worldview. And so if a scientist approaches something like the creation and origins of the universe or a species, and they approach it with an atheistic worldview that says that the natural world is all there is, then every piece of evidence and every piece of data that they find is going to be filtered through their belief system. What they observe needs to match what they believe. And so I don't think they do this with any sort of hostility or, you know, acting like a villain twisting their mustache. But the reality is that if you don't believe in God, your explanation for things has no room for God. And then on top of that, people do have agendas. Some people have political agendas. They want certain things to be passed into law or, or for certain things to be taught or believed. And so everything that they observe about the world is going to be explained in a way that furthers their purposes in the world. They may have a personal agenda, whether it's someone who wants to prove without a doubt that, for example, the world is eight to 10,000 years old. And so every piece of evidence they find, they're going to make sure that they can explain it to others in a way that makes their agenda of proving that the universe is young true. Or there are career agendas. One thing about the scientific community is that, as I said, it's very atheistic. It's very natural world based. And so if you come into it and don't agree with everything and you're not furthering what's already believed and accepted, if you come in with some weird thing, whether it's God or some other religious interpretation of science, your career is actually going to be in jeopardy. You will potentially lose your job or advancement opportunities, or you just won't be taken seriously because you aren't doing the science that your peers expect for you to do. And so ultimately, science is good. It's very good, but it's not ultimate. And that's the line that we need to find there is that science can explain a lot, but it takes discernment to know what it does explain or what it's merely trying to explain. Because a worldview without God can't include God in its explanations. And so instead, what we have is truth of the universe taking everything we observe and trying to explain it using our broken and very limited minds. And here's where we need to be very careful because what humans reason, what they, what they logically think through and explain and interpret, can never come before what God clearly reveals in his word. So whenever we have the Bible saying something, and we have science saying another, we need to ask ourselves, what is going to be higher? What is going to be my highest source of truth? And continuing that passage in Romans chapter 1, we pick it up at verse 21 and go through 25. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what we see here 
is that people in the past, people when this was written, and people today, and people tomorrow, they are more likely and more tempted to worship what they can see and what they can understand. Now, we often look back at those Bible times and think that they were unformed intellectually. They were sad. They were prone to superstition. But when we really understand the purpose of idolatry, idolatry is simply trying to take everything in the universe and try to own it in our hands and control it and make it fit into a thing that we can understand and control. And so whether it is the idolatry of the Old Testament or whether it is worshiping science above all today, what we do is we try to put God on our level. We try to make him something we can understand and comprehend. We try to take everything in the universe and just say, I can explain it all. And so what we do is we put God in a box. We make him into something that we can understand and control. And this is where that creature and creator problem comes from, where we want to worship ourselves and our own intellect, just like people back then wanted to worship, you know, these gods and animals and statues. We want to take something that can potentially be good, you know, because creatures are good. Understanding nature is good. Science is good. But instead, we want to make it ultimate. We want to make that our God. And so that becomes very dangerous for us because when science becomes the answer to everything, when the Bible must agree with what science says, then God's not the authority that determines how science works. Instead, science is our God who determines what the Bible actually says and means for our lives. And so when we take those two understandings together of why we don't need to fear science, but why science doesn't tell us everything, we can start finding a beautiful balance that really does glorify God. Because what we can do is, first of all, we can embrace the gift that he's given us through creation. We can know that good science is going to do nothing more except for prove everything about God. It's going to prove that the universe had to have an origin. It's going to prove that there is an intelligent mind behind things. It's going to reveal to everyone that what we see in this ordered universe with very intricate systems is that it's not, it can't possibly be an accident. And the more we understand science, the more we dig into that, the more that's going to become clear to us. But at the same time, we're going to be able to remember that whenever there seems to be a contradiction between science and God we're just going to have to realize that what we're running into is limited minds trying to explain something created by an infinite God. And so we don't need to fear science contradicting the Bible. We don't need to doubt the Bible because it seems to be ancient and outdated and against science. Because ultimately, when we observe ourselves in the proper context, when we realize just how limited we are, no matter how intelligent we feel, no matter how good we are at searching Google— things are going to be unexplainable. Maybe they're unexplainable now, but in 100 years, people are going to be able to see God in it and explain it. Or maybe there are some things in this universe God simply won't allow us to understand, possibly until we have our glorified bodies and we are spending an eternity with him. And then another part of that balance is just understanding the limitations of science. We need to use, as I said, discernment to understand an interpreter's beliefs and worldview. So anytime a scientist or a friend or a family member or a pastor says something based on science, based on observation, we need to realize that all people everywhere, whether they're scientists or whether they're 
just your average Joe at Walmart, everyone wants a reason and an explanation for everything they see. And so the deeper someone digs into science, the deeper they're going to need to have an explanation for absolutely everything. And sometimes people on perhaps both sides of the aisle are going to compromise what is true in order to fit their worldview or their agenda or their beliefs that they want to hold. But when we are understanding that anything said is said through a worldview and that sometimes those worldviews don't allow for the existence of God or for the existence of the supernatural, then we can take what they say and maybe find some value in it, maybe see value in the observations that they've done and the groundwork that they've done. But that doesn't mean that them being partially right on something makes them right on all of it. And we can take the good from their science and from their observations and even from their explanation, but try to see how that would fit with a worldview that focuses on God and wants to glorify God and honor him. And part of that is realizing that you know, contradictions or apparent contradictions are okay. Just because we live in an age of reason and easy, fast answers doesn't mean that we need to be uncomfortable or to doubt our faith just because we can't explain something or we don't have an answer. Now, that doesn't mean we should be lazy, of course. We should, to the best of our ability, try to understand how to defend our faith, how to explain things to others. Because part of sharing the gospel with people is giving them the truth. And sometimes those gospel-centered conversations will lead into science, especially today with how popular atheism is and how superstitious and silly Christianity appears to be. We as believers, we need to know why we believe these things that we believe. Are they reasonable? Are they rational? Is it really possible that an almighty God created all of this stuff? If we're going to say yes, we need to have more than just, well, Genesis 1 says so. But sometimes, no matter how much we study, there are just things we don't know. There's things that we don't understand, and that's okay. But what we do need to also realize is that just because a certain belief is popular doesn't mean that it's going to be right. Because again, we have a very naturalistic system that wants everything to fit inside that box. You can't possibly have a scientist who believes that what we can see and observe and experience with our senses, if, if a scientist believes that's all there is, they cannot possibly view things at a microscopic level or view the universe and try to explain things and leave room for God in their explanation. So, if they are trying to be consistent, then all of their beliefs are going to fit together well because they have to, because they have to be satisfied and go to bed at night feeling like they have an explanation for this giant universe that we live in, for all of existence and why it's here. They need to have an explanation. They need to feel like there's nothing outside of their understanding with it. And we're all like that. But Ultimately, just because the majority of the scientific community appears to agree with a certain scientific fact, just because people say there's no doubt, no reason to question, there's no room for error in this scientific explanation, that doesn't mean it's right. Because again, it's still flawed, limited human minds who can only observe things in a narrow span of time trying to explain things that are far beyond their understanding. So whether they are Christian, whether they are atheist, whoever we listen to, we need to make sure that, above all, we have God-honoring reasons for the beliefs that we hold. Whether they agree with modern science or whether they fly in the face of it. Whether we embrace science so much that we want it to 
play a part in all our lives or whether we are tempted to reject it altogether. What we need to make sure above all is that what we believe is true is based on wanting to bring glory to God, not bringing satisfaction to our own belief system or satisfying our own worldview. Above all, no matter what, what is true needs to be filtered with the Bible above all. Because as we've discussed, the Bible has the answer for everything we need for our life, for understanding God, for living holy lives. No, the Bible's not a science textbook. No, it doesn't necessarily explain every little thing in the universe. But it does tell us how to think and how to reason well and in a way that brings glory to God. And so I want to end this one with 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So as we're thinking about science, as we are trying to understand how much impact it should have in our lives, how much we should study it, how important it is, or perhaps how much of it we should possibly reject because it doesn't have all the answers. In this first Corinthians verse, it says that whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that includes science. That includes doing good interpretation and trying to understand and explain this world around us in a way that is consistent and plausible and at times maybe even makes us uncomfortable because above all we want to bring glory to God not ourselves and so in the end science isn't about how smart we want to feel or how clever we want to be because we reject all that nonsense it's not about our emotion and how embracing or rejecting science makes us feel it isn't even about being right or being afraid of being wrong ultimately we are followers of Jesus Christ above all else. And so when it comes to us trying to understand creation, our primary motivation, always and forever, is to do it in a way that brings the most glory to God.